family, the bedrock of society, an important influence to children that helps shape in their perspective of life as they grow up. It helps in building their confidence, shaping their beliefs, values, and more importantly, helps them to become what God has ordained them to be. The dynamics of the family circle cannot be overemphasized. It plays a key role in our social interactions as adults and as children. And because of its domino effect in our lives, we need to pay attention to it and be heavily invested in building a healthy, strong family with the goal of raising better children, building healthy relationships between spouses, but more importantly, in building a better society across all nations. Get ready to explore and learn with Pastor Fumi Alawale on the subject of family dynamics and its impact in our lives. Hello, good day everyone. I hope uh, you are enjoying the week and uh, the family is doing well. So this is another episode on family dynamics with Pastor Fumi. Um, last few weeks, we started a series on intimacy in marital relationship. And we started on spiritual intimacy. Today, we are just going to continue on, on this series. But the topic we are taking this afternoon or this day is God's intention for sex. God's intention for sex. Um, so before we start, I just want us to pray. Father, we just want to bless you for this op another opportunity you are giving unto us to learn from you. We ask for grace to understand your word, grace to be disciplined, to obey the word, and act accordingly in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you are faithful. We give you glory, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So I'm reading from Second, First Corinthians 6, 12-20 in New King James Version. And if possible, as many scriptures as I'll be quoting, if you can write it down so that you go back and study it yourself. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and stomach for foods, or God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord of the and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord, and we also raise up, raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of, of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one, one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. For he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Everything that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sin against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you are from God, and you are not your own. For we were bought with a price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So that's the scripture that we're going to be looking at. Uh, when we look at sex today, 
there are lots of things about sex in the media, it's in the movies, everywhere. Um, the way it is now, we find out that people, even in secondary school, primary school, they have understanding of what sex is, one way or the other. And the, from what we know of sex, according to the standard of the Bible, we're talking because based on the fact that we are Christians and this is the standard of God. Sex is, the gift, is a gift from God. And the way God wants it to work is within the social and psychological framework of marriage. That's the standard. God created sex. We saw a lot of things that have been written in the Bible, especially a whole book of Songs of Solomon was dedicated to sexuality. So this tells us that God affirms sex is his idea in the first instance. And when you see a man and a woman, the sex drive that is a man and woman has been put there by God. And we know the way God works, he works by principles. So if we look at the world today, sexuality has caused a lot of problems. We have divorce due to unfaithfulness when it comes to marital relationship, uh, sex, sexual unfaithfulness. We see a lot of people that have uh, pedophilia. We see sexual abuse in the place of work, in the church, everywhere. Sexual harassment, sexual addictions, killings as a result of sexual sin. So, and a lot of other things like uh, diseases that are, that are happening in the lives of people just because of sexual immorality. And there's a, a, a growing awareness, awareness of the dark side of sexuality. We're getting to know the evil that could result from sexuality. And so for our generation and generations to come after us, it is important that there is need for us to, to, to put rules in place that can guide sexual relationship as dictated by God. There is need for people to be aware of the way God wants it to be done. So I remember when I was growing as a child, up till the, I entered secondary school doing biology, I didn't have any understanding of what sex is all about. But doing biology and then getting into the university, doing anatomy and physiology, that was what gave me understanding of what sex was about. But for people that didn't even have any knowledge of sciences, that means they grow up in, in the church, they don't understand what sex is all about. And um, in the church, you will not see anybody coming on the pulpit those days preaching about sex. And so it becomes a taboo in the church for it to be preached. I remember the only thing my mom told me when I, when I started my menstruation was, if you meet with a man, you get pregnant and your career is destroyed. So no, it's a no-go area. Nothing more than that. No sex education, nothing, until I got married. So it was just in preparation for marriage that I had to read books on that talks about sex and during the counseling, pre-counseling session that gave me a little understanding of what sex is all about. So as a church, if we don't talk about it, if we don't teach our young children about it, what it means is the fact that we are leaving it for the world to define what sex is all about. So as a church, we have a great role to play 
and we cannot keep quiet about it. God, you know, originates sex. And the Bible says, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. It's the truth that people know that will set, set them free. So when people don't have understanding of what sex is all about, it will lead to destruction. And that's why this session is happening this, this today. And so I want you to understand it and go away, help your children, help your brothers and sisters. Let everybody, everyone know about it. And this you can do by sharing it on your social media handles and, and let the world know about it. Sex was God's idea, as I said before, and God made sex for our good. However, the devil has perverted it. There is nothing good that there is no perversion of it. And what the devil wants to do is to destroy families, to destroy lives. And once he's able to achieve that, he's happy. So in this age and uh, age that we are in, we discover that sexual sin is rampant. Everybody is doing it. We see it happening in children. We see, we've seen a 13 year old that got pregnant, you know, and so many things like that. So, but God's intention for us is to learn spiritual discipline when it comes to sexual chastity while we are unmarried. There are loads of myths when it comes to sex and there is ignorance on sexual matters in our society today. Many people we, today we know everything about sex, but not the things that are truly important. So, and that's why we need to talk about it. And that is why this, this, this session is happening. Hebrews 13, 4, in message version, say, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. We see that God draws a line against casual and illicit sex. There's a line that God has put in place against sex outside of marriage. So I read that same scripture in the Passion Version. It says, honor the sanctity of marriage and keep your vows of purity to one another. For God will judge sexual immorality in any form whether single or married. So if sexual immorality is happening in a single person's life, or even married people, maybe a married man messing up with young ladies or another person's wife, God is going to judge anyone that is in, in, involved in such a thing. So when you look at statistics today, we see that sexual sin is everywhere. 80% of Americans are sexually active by the age of 20, according to statistics. Only 20% of women marry as, as virgins now. And cohabitation has increased to, to 72% between 1990 and 2000, and has gone higher and higher even in recent times. So we discovered that a lot of people will cohabitate at some point during their lives. Um, some studies have shown that 50% of every person in secondary school now have had some type of sexual experience. Secondary school. These are babies. These are children. And 78%, this is higher in Afro-American people, is higher with African you know, children because 
78% of them will have had one form of experience, I mean, one form of sexual experience before they leave secondary school. So, and it goes on like that. So everybody is exposed to sex. We see it on television. We see it in movies. We see it on the roads. We see it in magazines. And so that's why it is important that something has to be done for us to be disciplined in this area so that we don't destroy ourselves with sexual sin. Thank God for Jesus who died on the cross for us. And maybe for one reason or the other, you have been engaged in sexual sin. There's room for you to repent and allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. When he's there and you give him the control of your life, the grace to live pleasing God is released upon our lives and we can do it. People are doing it. People are living pure. And because it's not by you doing it, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that is on the inside of us. So we have been enabled to put sin to death in our lives, and that is possible. So uh, in that scripture we read, it was talking about, uh, in, in some people we say, oh, all this thing you are talking about is what is happening, that what happened in the Old Testament is not, is not real in this time and age. I want to tell you that, if you read Deuteronomy 22, 28 to 29, or 13 to 21, the Bible says when you have sex outside of marriage, you have violated the people, the person. So, and he encourages us to remain pure before marriage. We saw in New Testament, Galatians 5 talked about sexual immorality. Any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Hebrews 13, 4 that we read before said, God will judge the sexually immoral. And First Thessalonians 4, 8-9 says, abstain from sexual immorality. So it's something we need to run away from. It's something we need to avoid by every possible means. So if the Bible calls it a sin, we, our opinion is not important. What the word is saying is not important. What God is saying is key because it's God that we judge finally. So there's no need to rationalize or justify wrongdoing. God has put, put all the laws in place to, to protect us from attacks that is caused as a result of sexual sin, from diseases, from all the pains that people are going through because of this. And that's why if we follow the way of God, sex is something that is good and that is meant to be enjoyed. So there's a better way to undo sexuality. And the best way that we that you can imagine is the way God has made it. God's way is the perfect way. God's way is the best way to undo relationships. So sex was his idea, and it's the devil that has perverted it. So the first commandment God gave to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply. So God's plan for sex, or sex is God's plan for procreation, for intimacy, and for relationships, that's his plan. But, so what happened between husband and wife when, when they marry and they have sex? The Bible said they are joined together. Joined in that sense means physically through the act of sex, emotionally in intimacy, and also spiritually through their soul. And so when sex is done outside of marriage or when sex is done in marriage, and at the right time, it is the most pleasurable thing you can imagine. And we saw that marriage is not consummated 
when you come in your white dress with the man dressed in suit and you come or the altar and you're joined together. But we saw from scripture, once you have sex with somebody, you are joined with them spiritually, physically, and emotionally. We saw Adam and Eve, there was no celebration. For Isaac and Rebecca, there was no celebration. When Eve was brought to Adam or Rebecca got to Isaac, the Bible said they went in and they consummated their marriage. And the Bible talked about the fact that Isaac was comforted following that. So to keep God in your relationship, you have to make up your mind to be poor, pure. Courtship or engagement is not equal to marriage. And if you want to praise God in your relationship, you have to conduct your relationship with referential fear of God. Sex is not for dating, is not for cutting period, is not to prove that, oh, I love you, and so we are, cook we are going to get married. So we can practice. Some people will say, how can we just marry like that without practicing? Don't let anybody practice with you. When you get in there, it's God that has put the drive there. You will, you will understand it. It will, it, it will work. You will, you will get to do it and do it the right way. So you become joined to anyone that you are engaged with in sex, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So what do we do? Make a decision for purity. So key. So do whatever is possible to stay pure. The grace of God is available to us as Christians to be able to do it and to be able to stay pure even in a relationship. You must decide early in courtship. As soon as you get in relationship with somebody, you know that we have prayed, we're sure this is the will of God, we're going ahead to be married. Both of you sit down and make up your mind that this is for God. God must be honored in this relationship. We're going to stay pure. We're going to do whatever it takes not to have premarital sex. And when you have made up your mind to do that, you have to put boundaries in place. It's not just, you know, say it by mouth, put boundaries in place and manage that your decision on daily basis. Sexual sin is a canker worm that destroys marriage foundations. So you should avoid things that will weaken your resolve and make you vulnerable. The Bible says flee sexual sin. If you look at any other sin that is in the Bible, that's the only one that God says flee. Flee is not a joke. It's run. Take to your heels and run. When everything that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Second uh, uh, Timothy 2 verse 22 in LLT say, run from anything, anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's the Bible. This is the way uh, the Passion Translation puts it. It says, run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lust of youth ambitions and lust of youth and chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your only pursuit and live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with pure acts. So we need to flee. It's not something you negotiate. Oh, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Flee, run, take to your, take your bag and, and run away. 
That is what we need to do. Avoid being alone together in secret places. Don't think you are spiritual. There's no one that is spiritual. We've seen pastors fall. We've seen bishops commit sexual sin. So nobody, your stone is not spiritual. Your body is not spiritual. And you're not a stone. So when you, the, the, the Ecclesiastes talk of the fact that don't arouse love before it is ready. When you play with fire, you will get burned. Some people will say, oh, eh, can we do kissing? It's not a, what of petting? They ask all manners of questions. Anything that stimulates your body, that makes you feel funny, is, is against, it's a sexual sin. And it will lead to sexual sin on the long run. You lose control. You can't control yourself. So don't be so confident uh, anyone can fall into sexual sin if care is not taken. Don't play with fire. It burns. And the way God has done it, sex as it is, as a container. <laughs> the container for sex is marriage. Sex is powerful. It's so powerful that it can destroy anything that comes its way. And so, so that's why God gave it a container. You will see men, good men that have future, great future. They go into sexual sin. They are pulled down. We see a lot of examples around us. So sex is powerful. Don't let it destroy you. It's like uh, water, as good as water is. We need water for anything. If you have good source of water, the whole electricity in this United Kingdom can be powered by water. But when water is let out of its container, it could destroy a whole city. And we've seen effect of flood in our cities, in our nations, in nations of the world. Imagine sex as fire. Fire is so important. We use it to eat up our houses. We need it for so many things. But when fire is out of its container, it can destroy. I remember what happened during this summertime in Eastwood, London, when a whole set of houses were burned down by fire. And that is how sex is. So imagine that happening in the life of everybody. Sex is, is good, but it can destroy when it is left out of its container. And the good thing for us as Christians is that we see sex as one of the fruit of, I mean, self-control as one of the fruit of the Spirit. So that means you have self-control because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Galatians 5, 22 to 25 mentioned the, the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is part of it. And so as a child of God, you have the Spirit of God. And self-control is something that God has released upon you. So we don't have excuse. So it's important that we flee and we allow God to help us to do what he desires that we do. So we need to run away from it. The Bible talks in Matthew 5.29 that if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it and throw it away. Is that, is that better for you to, to, to have just that? one eye, and get to heaven. So we saw a lot of people in the Bible, they made up their mind. Job said, I've made up my mind. I made the covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So it is something that we must do. It is a discipline that we must imbibe. Joseph had to run for his dear life. You can imagine if Joseph slept with Potiphar's wife. He may enjoy good life for a while, but 
the place where God was taking him to, he will miss it. We will not miss our future. We will not miss the destiny that God has, you know, that has, he has in stock for us. We need to run away from every sexual sin. It's not about what you think or what the word is saying. It is about what God is saying. And the question you, you need to ask yourself every time, is this going to help me reach my goal? Will this help me to achieve my purpose or not? Sexual sin can destroy. And I pray that the grace of God that has been made available for us will allow it to work in us and help us flee sexual sin. The Lord bless you and keep basking in His glory and keep living to please Him all the days of your life. God bless you. Share and let people hear about this. It will benefit them. It's better we know it from early in our lives so that we can run away from it and enjoy sex as God depicts it to be. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.